Welcome to the Game Link Podcast. I'm your host, Lebby, and as always, I'm joined by my friend, Elmer. Heater, hoder. <clears throat> um, uh, this is the podcast where we talk about um, video games and their related movies. <clears throat> or television and yeah. or, well, whatever kind of web-based yeah. series adaptations in a couple of cases with Legend of Neil that one time. Or have we oh, we haven't that? done Legend of Neil yet, no. Ooh, that was a fever dream. Yeah. <clears throat> or is that the Mescaline flashbacks? Mescaline That's flashbacks, it. I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been away for a while, um, but we're doing well. We're doing well. I hope you guys are doing good. Uh, yeah, it was just a really, really busy uh, summer for both of us. And, uh, you know, I changed jobs and, like, bought a new car and a bunch of stuff. And I hosted <laughs> a bachelor party, and then I went to Alaska for said wedding, and then I helped to host yeah. said wedding then again in October of said year again. And holy crap, yeah. No, it. <clears throat> and then the holidays this year, that hit everybody oh, yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to recover from the holidays. <laughs> the funny part is we're finally actually getting winter weather here in Minnesota, and uh, today it warmed up to 25 degrees, and apparently yeah. by Tuesday it's supposed to be 40 again. So it's just like, hmm, this uh, Minnesota winter is not a Minnesota winter, yeah. and I approve actually. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan. This is pretty nice, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I guess. Uh, What's what have you been up to more recently, or I guess like what's your most favorite thing that's been going on since we've been gone? Ooh, that is a hard one to say exactly. Um, so I've been kind of rat racking my brain as of late and trying to do figure out a new hobby that helps me to kind of relax and calm down. And my better half, Archangel, <clears throat> came up with the greatest thing possible for me, and she picked up for me for Christmas this year something called a Metal Earth statue figurine what these things are is they are these little metal like tin stamp metal statues that you build yourself it's like a cross between a hidden picture a lego set and origami and you have to put it together and assemble it in the right order as you're following these instructions you got to bend things in the correct direction the correct orientation (laughs) And they take a very, 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 very long time. Um, I mean, for the love of God, I've got a degree in fabrication and another one in gunsmithing, and it took me six hours to do over half of one last Saturday (laughs) while I was sitting at my um, dining room table. So uh, I'm not saying that it's the easiest thing on the planet. I'm not saying it's the hardest, but simultaneously, it may not be brain surgery, but it's somewhere on terms with rocket science. <laughs> it sounds fun, or interesting at least. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I just completed a Boba Fett one, and I just got in the mail on Friday my uh, ter- T-800 Terminator one. I'm so excited! <laughs> the cool. big metal skeleton! <laughs> but no, that's pretty much the main thing I've been doing to kind of relax and uh, kind of hang out the past couple of months here. So. Cool. Yeah, no, I've just been tinkering away with stuff. Uh, let's see, I, I I restored a bunch of iPods, which has been fun. Uh, oh, I should I should just go get it to show the people on Twitch. No, I really hope in here if he does do any editing after this fast, he puts in the uh, classic on hold. <laughs> Yeah, 
All right, now what is behind door number two, <laughs> contestant? So the the most recent thing I made was this uh, shadow box. I took uh, here try to not get the reflections. I took a scrap Game Boy. Bad parts. These are all bad parts. There's no way they could be saved. Uh, and I uh, printed them on a printed a background out and laid it all out. You know, exploded view. Kind of looks like a almost like a museum piece. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. But yeah, and I got this hanging up in my office. I'm gonna do one for a Game Boy Advance and a PSP soon here. Yeah, here, let me send it out. Uh, can you imagine if in the future, like, archaeologists discover this and they think that that is, like, the early remains <laughs> that you have of some poor taken apart, ro like, robotics AI, like some people have done with, like, exploded taxidermied uh, pieces or, like, butterfly collections? Like, yeah, he has the early <clears throat> version of a thinking machine <laughs> to show its internal working parts. Uh, probably not. I don't think that frame is really high enough quality to outlast us. Tell that to VHS <clears throat> tapes. They still say that some of those suckers have another <laughs> 60 years on them, and I'm like, ah, uh, okay. I doubt it. You really think the, the magnetic tape can really keep itself from deteriorating? They said, um, production timeline, that the magnetic tape on, as long as they were, you know... Saved in a good humidity condition where it's supposed to last oh, 80 years. Interesting. I mean, considering that film in and of itself is less than 50. That'll tell you mm. something. Okay. You know, that's why they're doing a lot of the conservation efforts and why a lot of the conversions into 4K is something they're striving for. And speaking of 4K, what are we talking about today, good <laughs> sir? Oh, man. Uh, one of the best movies ever made, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. One of the greatest cult films of the past 20, holy shit, 20, almost 25 years now. <laughs> Dear God, that yeah. hurts to say. <laughs> Considering this movie came out in 2010 and that still feels contemporary. Yeah, yeah this movie came out 14 years ago almost. But uh, yeah, it's, it's my favorite movie. Um, I have the... Like the official like theater poster uh, mounted on the wall over there, and actually Elmer gave that to me probably about ten years ago now. I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about the game a little, um, and then uh, we'll we'll touch on the animated series just a just a bit. But uh, Elmer hasn't been able to see it yet, so. Um, me trying to watch any kind of uh, serialized media is kind of a pain in the butt, considering my schedule, Archangel's schedule, and uh, just our attention spans in general. So, you know, eh, we're, we're a little loosey-goosey yeah. in terms of that. <clears throat> but, uh, the, uh, the, the game actually released at the same exact time as the movie, so I don't know if, if you want to go first, or, or if you want me to go first... Well, I guess here's the thing on that. Um, I know absolutely nothing with the actual source material, with the actual comic material. Yeah, I haven't I've, read the comic either. I was going to say, do you probably know about it more of it than I do? Because all yeah. I know of it is the 
movie, and you've at least seen the movie in the TV series, so I know Jack beyond that. Yeah, I think I think in the comic book he ends up with knives again. I I may be wrong. I I haven't read it, but it's on my my list of books to buy and then never read. <laughs> As I have said on multiple occasions to Levy, dear God, you can read. <laughs> it hurts, but I can. I can do it. <laughs> Less of an insult to him and more of an insult to myself going, whoa, you can read? Not even I can do that. Mm. See my shirt? It says Adidas. No. <laughs> um, here, well, why don't, why don't you start with, uh, with how, this, how this movie went? It has a, it has a pretty, pretty great cast. No, the, the, um, this movie is like so like so many few like actual classic films can be described as is kind of being lightning in a bottle um after the series was actually published um the person who later went on to direct this film also co-write on the actual production screenplay for it edgar wright gentleman who directed such classics as the uh, original bbc series spaced with simon Pegg and nick frost and patty constantine and a whole bunch of other great british comedians um Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, um, Baby Driver, um, the original guide that was going to write and direct Ant-Man and then went, no, I can see the writing on the wall, screw you guys, kind of thing, and jump ship. (laughs) But um, while working on Hot Fuzz, or no, he was was finalizing uh, the edit on Shaun of the Dead, somebody actually gave him or showed him some of the Scott Pilgrim uh, comics. Oh. And he actually got into that and actually started reading that a little bit. And apparently it was while he was final, um, the option actually came up to adapt a script for the Scott Pilgrim movie. It was around the time he was finalizing uh, his edit on Hot Fuzz. And so he started kind of cutting together and just kind of putting, head, er, putting together in his head what he wanted to do for that. And to him, there's only one person who could ever play Scott. And that was because he was watching one of his favorite comfort TV shows, Arrested Development. <laughs> and um, apparently, all he just walked up to the creator of Scott Pilgrim and just said, there's only one person who can play Scott because he's Canadian and he fits the bill. And the other guy just said, and goes, you really think we can get him? He goes, yeah, I think we can get Michael Sarah." <laughs> but um, no, the uh, it just sounds like it was, a, I wouldn't say even a labor of love. It just sounds like everybody who was involved with this just wanted to make... A movie that they all believed in um from i guess i should say from the behind the scenes production to it uh with the music which features one of your favorite uh bands of all time Gucci. for the chiptune features to it apparently beck as well as oh, actually somebody else was a big influence in the actual writing of many of the actual bands the on stage uh, bands Gucci didn't do any music for the movie but they did all the music for the game and they did the music for uh the animated series oh okay never mind yeah Oh, I liked that that little thing flashed in the corner of the screen next to yeah. me going, lying bullshit, asshole. No. <laughs> yeah, that might have... If the camera overheats, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Uh-oh. Well, guys, if we go bye-bye, we're just going <laughs> to let you know that we love you, but um, our annoying voices will still be here haunting yeah. <laughs> your eardrums long after our evil visage is uh, long extended from your viewership. Um, anyway... <clears throat> 
they uh, no the rest of the cast of this film is incredible for people who have gone on to become like who's who of you know different franchises or acting powerhouses. I mean, yeah. American or American <laughs> uh, Emily Amer. I can never say her goddamn name. Are you talking? Uh, it's not Emma. It's Emily. No, it's yeah. Ellen, right? Ellen Wong? No, I'm talking about Ramona Flowers. Oh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Mary Elizabeth, not Emily. I do. I remember the Winstead part, but I couldn't remember the first part. But, you know, <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, Brie Larson pops up here for a fashion. Um, Luke Evans. No, not Luke Evans. The other one. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Oh, Chris Evans. Uh, Chris Evans. Um, you know, uh, Kieran Culkin. I mean, dear God, Aubrey Plaza, Anna Kendrick. I uh, just go down the list. Um, I almost said Jason Manzoukas again. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. I've been doing this all night. I've been wanting to call him that. I'm like, no, no, that's Adrian's son, goddammit. Not, not the Zooks. Um, Good God. Uh, May Whitmore. Um, or no, uh, Whitman. Whitman. Um, yeah, I mean, you just look at this, and this film is... Yeah. It's like our generation's equivalency of the um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 78, in terms of every time you see a scene <laughs> in that movie, you're like, that's Dr. Spock talking to Kiefer Sutherland's dad, talking to the gal from Alien, the blonde gal from Alien... And Jeff Goldblum about how there's aliens taking over the world. <laughs> oh, and also that's uh, the guy who plays Monk's wife. What? <laughs> yeah, this is that equivalency in terms of everybody who's anybody just popped up in this movie and just seemed like they had a great time. But um, so this film was uh, made to be a wide release uh, via Universal uh, and was released on July 27th of 2010. And. Uh, considering it had about an $80 million budget. Worldwide, it made about $47 million. Yeah. $47 million off of a at least $80 million, and then you got to double that to include the uh, marketing budget. Which is so weird because it's such a good movie. It People just didn't realize it or... Like, I didn't even know, like, hear about it until it was basically out of theaters. The best way to describe this to anybody is kind of how Tommy Boy or, God, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, uh, or, like, Blade Runner or, um, oh, good God, or, like, John Carpenter's The Thing kind of thing, where when you talk to somebody and you go, oh, hey, do you remember this movie? Everybody goes, oh, yeah, I love that movie. That movie's great. And then you go, yeah, did you see it in the theater? No, I caught it on video. Why? Because no one saw it in the theater. Because <laughs> it made jack shit. Yeah. Oh, really? It didn't make it? I thought that movie was a hit. It's so good. Yeah. Quality and viewership aren't exactly the same level kind of thing. But uh, no, this film is actually considered like one of the first modern, well, I mean, of 2010, I guess I should say. It's considered by many to be sort of the... Uh, first uh cult film of the well the 21st teens so to speak which uh looking back on it no i can really see that in a way yeah there i got rid of the 
<laughs> the temperature warning. <laughs> he cropped it out of the goddamn camera feed. <laughs> that's like sight. put. That's like putting electrical tape over the check engine signal. Yeah, Come man. on, man. Out of sight, out of mind, baby. Uh, yeah, no, this movie is just, just genuinely a masterpiece. Uh, it really hit home with me when it came out. I've seen it. I mean, at this point, probably about two hundred times. <laughs> it's real good. Uh yeah, and the game came out at the same time. Um if you if you haven't heard of the game or seen it, it's like a beat 'em up game, uh much like uh like Rebel City Rampage, if you've ever played that for the NES. Um it has like a Mega Man style like boss selection where you can like there's like an overworld and you can fight you know, you fight your way through like the evil exes. Uh, it's great. It has like a lot of like like references to other video games, um, like Guitar Hero and Mortal Kombat and stuff like that. It's it's like generally a really fun uh, like arcade style beat 'em up. It's kind of like um, remember like the like the four player like T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade games or like the X Men arcade games. Turtles in time or anything. I was going to say if it was kind of like a Streets of Rage or a dudes kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just like that. A lot of fun. Uh, Plus, my favorite band of all time, Anamanaguchi, did the entire soundtrack for the game, Um, which I think they either just finished or are doing a, a Scott Pilgrim soundtrack tour right now. They probably finished it already. Um... They also, like I said earlier, they came back and did the music for the animated show as well, uh, which was awesome. Um, there was like a lot of hype around the game, but it like almost wasn't a thing. Uh, it was basically made in just five months <laughs> um, because Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft Montreal um, were the ones tasked with making the game. Uh, but uh, a Ubisoft studio in China ended up doing most of the heavy lifting. Um, the director of that studio, Richard Sow, uh, said, um, and I'll quote, so I'll give you a good example. Um, back to Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim originally started in Montreal and was supposed to be completed in Montreal, but what happened was that Montreal wanted to reprioritize some of their workers for a next-generation product, and they didn't have enough resources on hand to complete uh, the Scott Pilgrim game. They also felt that um, there wasn't enough time left already, and they at that time they had about six months to launch the game along with the movie, um, and they only had one level completed uh, with one set of characters, um, but all the pre-production stuff was done. So the whole plan uh, was already set. They just needed to make it. Uh, they felt that um, that to make like the other six levels and the characters and stuff was going to be impossible to do within the time. So they had to find a studio. And uh, none of Ubisoft's <laughs> other studios would touch it. Like, not with a 10-foot pole. Um like nobody wanted anything to do with it because you could not finish eighty percent of the game in just five months. 
Um, but Richard Zhao thought it would be a great opportunity since his Ubisoft studio in China was just launched. Um, they had never shipped a game. Everyone working there was a complete rookie. Um, so he he took it and they did like, I mean, they did pretty much everything. So like Montreal basically just like told them what they wanted and then they'd say like, well, we don't have time for this and this and like things like this need to change. So we got 50% of the game that they wanted, but um, they launched it in time for the for the movie. And uh, I mean, there's little bugs here and there, like sometimes the the amount of money you have uh will be like for example like 38.9 instead of like 38.90 just because they didn't have time to go clean up little little tiny mistakes like that so um but i mean really the game is is great uh let's see um i was gonna say in, um i'm gonna insert the joke right then and there of uh up sub montreal going oh no we don't have time for this like oh what you guys had a little bit of leftover coke from the launch budget for uh the first assassin's <laughs> creed at the end of last year is that why you guys decided to back out of the production I of mean, this game well normally a game like this would take two years uh, i mean maybe a year if you really crunched but um yeah, so that's it's nuts. Um, that's insane. But but yeah, uh, I loved the game. I played the shit out of it when it came out. Um, I know my friends uh, and I played it a lot together um, because it can do like four player local co op. And I played it with these guys quite a few times actually, yeah. and uh, no, it was always very very fun. Even though I'm <laughs> not exactly outside of shooters, which are kind of my main bag, and maybe a couple of platformers. You know, side-scrollers aren't exactly my favorite, but, uh, no, I've got a few that I still hold in high regard, and yeah. definitely uh, Scott Pilgrim beat-em-up was definitely <laughs> one of them. Yeah, that's a good one. And I have, uh, well, I'll get into it in a bit, but in in uh, December 30th, 2014, uh, the game was delisted from all digital storefronts because uh, Ubisoft, or, like, the license, a license expired, and Ubisoft didn't care to renew it. Um so there was just a long time where it, you, you could only play the game if you bought it when it was available. Uh, and in 2020, right before the film's 10-year anniversary, both Edgar Wright and uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, who wrote the story, um, tweeted at Ubisoft and asked them to bring back the game and do a re-release of the movie. Um, I don't think we got the re-release, but we did get the game. <laughs> uh, because, yes, yeah, September that year, uh, the the game was announced with a 2021 release date, uh, and I ended up getting a, a limited-run games, like collector's edition copy, so it's like a whole like briefcase... You open it up and it plays Anamanaguchi, and it has like a diorama of of, of sex bomb, uh, and it comes with a bunch of goodies. Uh, it's it's really cool. I got it on the shelf. It's it's just out of frame, and I'm not gonna get that one down. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I recently I don't know maybe a couple months ago uh, installed the game on my Steam Deck. Uh, and I like played through and beat it with three of the characters <laughs> all in a row, like one weekend. Uh, so it's it's a really good game. Um, 
And I believe it's pretty cheap too. If you like beat em ups, definitely check it out. Um, but yeah, I, that's all I got on the game. But I suppose I should uh, should mention the uh, the animated series. So I guess uh, the animated series is just like the movie. Basically, the first episode is like beat for beat the movie and like rewatching the first episode really got me hooked because as much as I love the movie it was just like the same thing but new with all the same voice actors uh and it was really cool but but the difference is at the end of the first episode is where Scott gets in the fight with the first X and the movie he beats the X but in the show he like disappears everyone thinks he's dead so the the you know few episodes after that first one is just kind of following um everyone else and how they all move on with their life and they go to scott's funeral and all the evil exes uh start doing other evil stuff and you know whatever turns out that scott pilgrim didn't die he you know went through a wormhole whatever so it turns into this whole like interdimensional time travel thing old scott from the future is trying to you know, get young Scott to break up with Ramona because they get divorced in the future, and it's this whole like sappy story at the end. But it's it's a really good series. Um, I hope I didn't spoil it for or too much for anyone. They did into the goddamn Scott Pilgrim verse without us even knowing there was such a thing as a Scott Pilgrim verse. Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of I kind of rambled through it, but um I figured that's kind of okay because I don't really want to sp- you know spoil everything. But um I really enjoyed it. Uh not as much as I like the movie, but I'll definitely be rewatching that again soon. And I admit I'm still very excited to see it considering so many people on that show that have come back again. It's just like holy crap. You wouldn't you know, just thinking of where they started back then in 2009 when they were probably shooting this in 2010 when the film came out. It's like holy crap. Yeah, it's really cool. Um one thing I liked about the series is I was kind of telling you earlier um it kind of touches on on how everyone kind of realizes how creepy it was for an adult to be dating a high schooler. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of like focuses on how much like how much knives kind of like thrives and like becomes a, a, like a kind of badass person without you know making Scott her identity like she actually becomes she replaces him playing bass in his own band hmm. <laughs> it's it's really cool no I really like that too if anything I did I guess the one thing that that did always kind of rub me the wrong way when watching the film was in terms of just how much she was a sort of was just kind of devoted to him in that respect in terms yeah. of obsessive but then Smitten. but thinking about that now having rewatched for the first time in probably close to about five years or so yeah. i did kind of look at it and go well it's you know it's literally young love young puppy love kind of thing so i can kind yeah. of see that to a certain extent but no i'm glad to hear that that is one thing that is actually brought up and go oh no no we're gonna bring the character actually full circle on that yeah so well, that's awesome yeah. to hear no that was great but um 
yeah, I guess we can kind of like re rebeat the the story of the movie for for anyone that needs a refresher um because it is it is great um i mean well we shall now set the scene <laughs> it is early 2000s suburbs of toronto ontario yeah. and you have people in the indie music scene i know i want to put a gun in my mouth too no, um, it's not that bad. Uh, no, we were kind of joking about that. And the we're trying to exactly pin down what we'd call the soundtrack to this movie, and we're like, it's indie. It's like, well, I mean, yes, it's indie's a good word for it, yeah. but what is the actual genre term for the music for this? And when we looked it up, it was what was it? It was like garage rock. Garage rock. Uh, what was the other one? It was a type of blues rock. Blues punk. Punk. Blue, yeah. Blues punk, and then there was a third one. It was. Um, Indie rock, uh, garage rock, yeah, blues rock, blues punk, and like yeah. indie something. And we're yeah. just like, it's like, come on, guys, this movie's almost 15 years old. You guys gotta have a better word for it by this point. I mean, yeah. Come on. But, uh, no, this movie is, we were kind of joking about it a little bit. If you squint hard enough at it, if it wasn't for the, like the fast paced editing and like the references to video games in it, you could think that this is either like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist or more than definitely a Wes Anderson film. But uh, no. no, it was. It's still. You can definitely tell it was a little bit of a product when it was made, but I mean, that was kind of the point of it. Well, and then, I mean, an Edgar Wright movie has, has so many little details to begin with, but this has like so many little things that you don't always pick up on. Like, for example,. During scene trans transitions and stuff, they always play like a little, uh, like a little stinger or like some sort of video game sound effect. But I was pointing out to Elmer, like, l listen, it's always like Zelda themed, like like Zelda music, um, or like it'll transition to a scene and and you know Scott's like strumming a guitar, but it's the the chords of the death song when you die in Zelda, uh, and or like. Um, one was where they actually talk about it in like the behind the scenes where like it starts a scene and, and young Neil is playing he, he's actually during the filming playing Zelda on the DS and it he like it happened to open a chest and it went like da 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 like right when like Scott was supposed to get like an email or something like that and it just like th there's a few things in the movie that worked out perfectly like that and they just left it in you can watch an Edgar Wright movie 50 times in a row and you will pick up on something new every single goddamn time and every single time you pick up on something <laughs> you'll have that same look of oh shit on your face which is <laughs> one of the most beautiful things about those films they are so densely packed with just so many different yeah. layers for yeah. anybody who listens to this who hasn't either seen Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz or The World's End trust us when we say they are three of some yeah. of the best genre comedies ever made yeah. Well, then, and then one thing about this movie that I love too is that, uh, like, it's it's very like out in the open that Scott Pilgrim is just like this this broke loser, like <laughs> bass guitarist, uh, who he he his house is or his like living situation is that he sleeps on a mattress on the floor. You know, shares a mattress on the floor with with uh, Wallace Wells, his gay roommate, on a basement slash first level windowless apartment. Yeah. 
basically in a studio setup because yeah, they literally have a bathroom, a kitchen, and a living room and a single mattress in there. Yeah. But he's yeah, he's dating a high schooler, which is super creepy. Uh and uh and then he ends up like getting infatuated with this new girl in town, Ramona Flowers. And uh another like great thing that just happened to work out and they left in the movie was like, you know, when before he actually meets Ramona for the first time, he like they're at a party. He walks up to a guy with a piece of paper. He goes, "Hey, have you seen a girl with hair like this?" And he holds up a paper, and it's just like a bunch of scribbles. And uh, the guy just takes a look at it and goes, "Oh yeah, that's Ramona Flowers." Uh, um, and it's it's silly because like, how does he know what the scribbles are supposed to represent? But also. Uh, during the filming, it was supposed to be like a like a picture of like Ramona from the comic book, like an actual picture of her. Uh, but instead, Michael Sarah just scribbled on a piece of paper <laughs> right before the scene, and they went with it. Uh, Which feels like one of the most just Edgar Wright jokes possible. Just going, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we got this. Go for it. Yeah. Oh god. But uh yeah, anyway, we uh we find out that uh well he first of all he starts dating Ramona while he's still dating a high schooler and then he finds out that uh all seven of Ramona's exes have formed uh, an evil league to decide the future of Ramona's love life and that if he wants to be with her, he has to defeat all seven of her exes. Um, but he doesn't finish reading the email because he thinks it's so boring and he actually cuts it off. And uh, then it's a total surprise to him while he's actually at a Battle of the Bands, his first Battle of the Bands meetup that they have. It's probably the funniest, my favorite band yeah. of the entire film, which <laughs> may they rest in peace. They had yeah. the full ending that... Uh, Crash and the Boys, where one of the boys is a is a young woman who plays the drums. <laughs> young little Asian girl who looks like somebody straight out of a baby metal yeah. album. Or, yeah, baby metal She's cover. She's probably like 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think the drummer's a boy. Little 10-year-old Asian girl just gives him the finger over the top of the, the drums. Was, it was like, yeah, they're like, we're crashing the boys. And then Wallace Walls is like, is that girl a boy? <laughs> That's what she reaches over. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that it's it's great. And then like each each evil X fight has like its its own little charm to it. Each one has its own little inside reference to whatever it is too. I mean the first uh one they fight, um, is that David Patel Ma- Matthew Patel. Matthew Patel is a reference to Bollywood cinema as well as uh uh, B-pop, yep. which is a lot of fun if you've never really re- listened to it within that yep. terms of the musical sphere. Yep. The second one, Lucas Lee, he was a skater turned movie star. So you can kind of, you can instantly hear the Sum 41 and yeah. the um, Blink-182 start playing in your head of skate pop, doot, 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 you know, you know yeah. flying down the rails on that. And then next up is... Yeah, the third one was... Uh, the vegan bassist of Scott's ex's new band. Which you can almost feel that being sort of like the new, uh, quote-unquote, like the new emo punk yeah. of that era that was kind of taking place, like the early Fallout Boy yeah, or basically, like, some of the, like the girl-centric version of that. Of yeah, that era, basically so. Scott's ex-girlfriend is Paramore. 
Oh, ooh, I never thought of that. I was thinking that she was maybe supposed to be more like a Lady Gaga, but ooh, no, she is supposed to be Paramore. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and then uh, her her bassist is her new boyfriend, but also one of Ramona's exes. Uh, and a vegan, so he has crazy vegan mind powers, and it's really fun. Um, He's played by one of the former Supermans, Brandon Routh. The one who may or may not have been... Um, <clears throat> hit upon upon by Brian Singer during uh, Superman Returns, so keep that one in your back pocket. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I, I just need to remember, so the vegan police... Yes, it's, um, yes. Yes. Are you trying to remember who they were? Yeah, yeah, so... It's uh, Clifton Collins Jr. and it's Thomas Jane, which yeah. is so funny as hell when those two pop up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when when he beats the, the vegan boyfriend, um... He tricks him into drinking milk or like milk in his coffee. It's I think it's basically the scene from Princess Bride, but dumber. Yeah. So the vegan police come to take away his vegan powers, and yeah, it's it's these two. <laughs> Please stop. We're gonna put that on screen. Uh, I can't. I can't oh. put it on screen. Oh, damn it, that's so funny. But no, that that's exactly what they look like. They Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr. look exactly like those two. Well, drugs. that's from the comic. Too. That's what I mean. That's the funny part. They look just like that. Yeah. <laughs> Freeze. Oh, V and police. Oh, it still makes. <laughs> Yeah, Thomas Jane and Clinton Collins. God, and those two are just great whenever they pop up. Oh, no, the, the cast in this film is just stacked. I mean, we're talking about these different exes. Um, uh, Brandon Routhroyd is brought up for the third one. Um, I mean, the the ex of Scott in this is Brie Larson, you know, Academy mm -hmm. Award nominee for Room, as well as now famously playing uh, Captain Marvel in the lowest grossing Disney film of the past uh, 30 years now. Yeah. But uh, oh, uh, And I said earlier, I said, oh, oh, yeah, the Scott Pilgrim animated series is Brie Larson's first voice acting role. <laughs> <laughs> and Elmer's like, well, not counting all the ADR she had to do for, for the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks about it for a second. He goes, "You're not wrong." He goes, well, "Yeah, this is this is our second voice acting role." <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, let's see who's who's number four. Number four is the girl, right? I thought it, I thought it goes in reverse. It goes from seven down to one. Or no, is it, or is it the no other it's one to seven. Oh, one to seven? Because okay. Lucas Lee is number two, oh. LL, two L's. Oh, okay, I get you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they count the twins. They count them yeah. both. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Matthew Patel, yeah, we we're both going, oh, is he somebody? And we looked at his IMDb and we're like, nah. And we're like, number two, we're like, ooh, Lucas Lee. We're like, hey, Chris there's Evans. The, there's the ninja girl who can... Mae Whitman. The Mae great Whitman. Great yep. Mae Whitman for anybody who is a, uh, for any other great voice or big animation heads out there or people yeah. who are my uh, Avatar The Last Airbender fans out there. Yes, Mae Whitman. But um, yeah, then there's the, 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 the Katinagi twins. Which that if I'm like, this feels a little early for it to be a Skrillex reference, reference but this feels like an early Skrillex yeah, reference. Yeah, which they're, they're uh, a twin DJ duo. Um and they had like a head-to-head -head battle of the bands where the twins were on one stage and Scott's band was on another and they played at the same time. Uh, and it was like this really kind of like weird cheesy thing where their music summoned like giant kaiju that fought over the crowd. 
but I mean, it's very video game mask, and it worked. Uh, yeah, and then and then finally, uh, Gideon, the the mastermind behind it all, played by Jason Schwartzman. The great Jason Schwartzman, which when you see him in this film, you're like, dear God, he looks like he's in his 20s. And then you see him in Asteroid City, you're like, dear God, was this guy born 40? <laughs> but the thing is, he's like the, uh, he's the the owner of the, the world's largest indie indie music record label. <laughs> he so. did the same thing to me earlier. He waited, beat, 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 get it, indie. Indeed. record music <laughs> yeah. label beat 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 and i looked at him i said yes i know who richard branson is <laughs> oh okay so this is supposed to be an even further joke of what virgin turned out to be okay i get it. yeah yeah but it's good because it does this thing where uh like first you know it's it, gideon's like why do you want to fight me and, and scott's like well because i love her and it's like scott earned the power of love <laughs> Uh, and then after he dies and he, you know, gets a one-up, goes back in time, starts to fight him again. And this time he says um, he he's fighting him for himself. And then it's like, Scott earned the power of self-respect. <laughs> Which, another thing, uh, the announcer. Did you recognize the announcer, Elmer? If my dog can stop looking your face. Sure, give me back my false teeth first. Sure. <laughs> Me fuck. Give me back those teeth. Uh, no. Who, uh, which one of the SNL alum is it? Uh, Bill Hader. Oh, shit. I did read that earlier, but I figured I'd like yeah. to say that, so. <laughs> yeah, Bill Hader. No, that's fun. Oh. Yeah. Wait, Batman can do no wrong, in my opinion, so why yeah. not? But yeah, uh, Scott, uh... You know, wins, and then... He understands the power of humility and understanding this isn't all about him, but he can still fight for somebody else's honor. So, could he get any more Canadian by the fact that he fights full-on as a Peter or a Peter Cetera song? Uh, Lead guy from Chicago. Bad oh, joke. Okay. Bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Gloria Love by Peter Cetera? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, but... Uh... In like I, I like I said in the game he I think he ends up with knives, and in the movie he's like about to end up with knives, and then she tells him to go after Ramona, and then they end up together. But she, in the game he ends up with knives and Ramona and his ex Envy. I don't I don't make the rules. Are you sure that's not the reason why they pulled it off of uh, PS, PSN Network and <laughs> yes. the other thing? Is yes. because they're just like, no, we're not going to run a goddamn train on a 17-year-old? <laughs> Jesus <No>. Christ! <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's that's the movie, so... No, it's a, it's a classic. I'm just still flabbergasted <laughs> by that ending for a video game. What the hell is wrong with that? Well, I guess I don't know if it like outright says it, but it, it implies it. Like the the end screen is just like a a picture of them all like together. Okay, I mean, yes, I <laughs> guess if they do it where it looks more cutesy anime-ish, that's one thing. <laughs> you know, you make it look like Hamtaro, great. You make it look like harem anime, <laughs> but yes, no, uh, no. Uh, no, yeah, no, this film is, uh, as I was talking about earlier, this is definitely, I would call, one of the first great cult films of the, 2000, of the early 2000s. It, 
it is definitely one that I know for a fact is going to be talked about for years from now in high regard as being like an encapsulation of an era in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, with that in mind, I think I think you all know what we're what we're gonna say. But uh, bop or flop for you, Elmer? Oh, this is a bop and a goddamn half. Um, yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. I I still am sad about the fact I never got to see this in theaters. And I yeah. I trust me, had I see having known then what I know now, I mean. I would still be out in the street corner every single day with sandwich board yelling, the end is nigh, the end is nigh, go and do this kind of thing today. Which we'd see how many people that actually listen to me and how funny would it be if I actually had it down on like a day-by-day basis like, until people like, seriously, buy stock on this day? And they're like, oh, wait, no, the crazy guy is actually spitting the truth. But uh, no, I'd be like, seriously, go see Scott Pilgrim. It's a good-ass yeah. movie. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's going to stand up as probably one of the greatest films uh from the 2010s as well as probably being one of the best of edgar wright's career yeah yeah no i definitely i mean this this movie is a bop without a question uh like i said my personal favorite movie um if you haven't seen the movie for some reason uh this is your call you need to see it (laughs) i mean dear god it's across just about every streaming platform in one regard or another in terms of either if you have to rent it or watch it with goddamn commercials yeah, I know it's on Amazon. I know it's on Netflix. So, yeah, no, you you need to you need to at least experience this movie once. It's a real good time. Um, it doesn't really take itself too seriously. So, oh, at no simple yeah. point in this do you feel like it's taken itself seriously. I mean, from the actual get go. And as one point as we picked up on it, we didn't even realize it. They were in a party scene that apparently they shot on location at, like, some rental property that they found in Canada. And it's, like, the first big conversation between Scott and Ramona. And they're standing against this wall. You can see the door frame in the background behind, just right to the left, or right to the right of Scott. And right in line with the top of it is a fucking light switch. Yeah. I I looked at Elmer and I was like, you see that light switch? And, And yeah, like, six feet off the ground, there's a light switch. And they, I th- they framed the the scene just zoomed out enough so you could it was just up there in the corner. <laughs> we're looking. They were like, "Why would they put the light switch?" <laughs> yeah, no, they were talking about that during the behind the scenes, and they're like, "We still don't know what that light switch was for, but that's it was there." So. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, anyway, that'll about do it. Um, I know it's been a while. And maybe we won't be doing this weekly, but we're we're gonna be doing it again here. We are gonna be soon because, as we all know, famously coming out on the eighth of February, debuting simultaneously across both Paramount Plus and YouTube, the highly anticipated Halo season two. Oh yeah, <laughs> except this time we won't do what? What do we do? Four episodes on it? Oh god. I don't remember how many watched that at a given time, but dear God, that was... Yeah, we did one, two, three in reach. Oh, Yeah. No, uh... Maybe we'll do one episode on it. Maybe. We'll try to get through it. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. We're gonna... <laughs> we're not gonna do the play-by-play. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of think what we ended up doing with, um... 
uh, Last of Us is probably the best format for doing any of those kind of series like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, that that one caught all of us by surprise in terms of them going, oh, by the way, beginning of the year, Halo Seasons 2 is coming out, and everybody went, uh, one, who asked for Halo Season 2 right. and 2? You shot Halo Season 2? Well, I, I hear they got people working on it that have actually played the game now, so. Ooh, that's a, that's a hopeful <laughs> concept. We'll see. But anyway... Uh, we'll end the podcast recording here, so uh, until next time, I'm Libby. I'm Elmer. Have a great, have a, have a great week, guys. Stay safe and stay sexy. Take care.